tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Johnson. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! What is up, guys? Welcome to Scandal Season 5, Episode 4, Dog Whistle Politics. I think this was an amazing episode, and we're so glad that you're here. joining us for another week, your Fab Four. I'm going to ask that somebody please turn my headphones up, because I cannot hear a thing. However, as always, I am here. My name's Emil Ennis Jr., and I'm joined by my amazing gladiator sitting right next to me. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Cornelia. Hi, I'm Sophia Stanley. I'm Bam Erickson. Let's dive right into this amazing episode. Um, I think over the past couple of weeks, it's continued to get better and better and better and better. And I don't know what it is. Thank you so much, Cornelia. Oh, yes. Now, yes. You can hear? You Not can saying hear? I love hearing my own voice, but... <laughs> um, no, each week, it has been getting better and better. And I don't know... They had a switch in writers this season, or what happened? But there is a, a shift, and I am loving it. What did you guys think overall about the episode? Uh, for me, um, what I really liked about this episode is um, when I think about Scandal, I don't think of Scandal as a black show. I just think of it as a show that just has black characters. And there's only been two episodes where there's been any kind of black reference. Obviously, the launch here and uh, something about NAACP and Olivia Pope says I'm black to Fitz. But with this episode, I love how they're taking current issues and how they're how they're using it to um, to to speak volume to what's going out there, like shows that did, like shows in the seventies that used to do the same thing. I love what Empire. I'm not. Ooh, I said Empire. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. No. I think you're saying. I think that there are several shows, including Empire. Um, and scandal, I think, that are speaking to current issues. I, I was going to piggyback off of what you were going to say, and I was going to say, I actually disagree with your initial statement. Mm-hmm. I think that the way in which um, uh, Shonda Land writes her shows, I think that what she is showing is we, and I'm going to use the most collective we that we can be, are a part of normal everyday life. So I think that she writes with a subtlety that she doesn't have to always be direct with her references but I think there have been several race related references um the time when the person thought that Abby was really Olivia Pope regard and given that everyone knows who the Olivia Pope is I think we would know what she looked like presumably definitely at least that she was an African-American woman mm-hmm. um I think that there was the early Sally um Sally um Heming. Hemings reference mm-hmm. that she did with Fitz um there was also when Fitz was giving an ultimatum to Melly and he basically was like if you don't basically go at, like co-sign all of this and me basically being with Olivia we're gonna play the race card and say that the only reason that you're upset is because she's black I think they have been doing it in a way which has then allowed us to come to this point where we are open to hearing it. Do you see the slight difference? I think that if they had never brought it up and now kind of then 
hit us over the head with it. For some viewers, it may have seemed abrupt. Mm -hmm. I think it did not seem abrupt, and it seemed so authentic to the times because I think they have been priming us since season one. So I think they, I agree with you that they are doing a brilliant job, but I think they have been very deliberate in the way in which they are taking us on this conversation, specifically as it relates to race and specifically as it relates to gender and sexism. Good point, no. Um, episode two at the end, Olivia said, yes, I'm the mistress. Episode three at the end, we had the twist where Abby has now changed the narrative and she's throwing her on the bus saying, ex- doing exactly what Olivia would do. This episode, we begin with the fall of Olivia Pope, as I like to call it. And we have this reporter that's doing one of those, like, a uh, inside edition, inside edition. When you stay on a Friday night, you have nothing else to do mm-hmm. when you're watching. Daylight. The- yeah, daylight. Yo, why are you calling me out? Are you calling me out? I mean, nice glass of wine and watch some dateline. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Um, but no. So we have this journalist who is pretty much recapping Olivia's life and we start off with them talking about um, Papa Pope and uh, her her mother and we see Olivia in the young days and that baby picture was so cute. Um, so it's fun seeing how they were interweaving like real pictures and then obviously the stage pictures. Overall, I don't, I didn't really enjoy that but I understand the purpose of it for the story. The media though, the, Olivia's dealing with all this attention in the media and you see clearly there's numerous times where you start to or she starts to question whether or not she made the right decision mm-hmm. we're gonna jump back to the media when we talk about living fits in the second but OPA so OPA <sighs> Huck and Quinn they they're still trying to figure out what to do and we talked about this before now that Olivia is not at the helm anymore they're like little children without a cause and they're trying to figure this out and they want to help her what I love, though, and I think I got giddy because this reference and this scene was specifically for OG gladiators, was when Quinn went to recruit Marcus, because that's the exact same scene from mm-hmm. when Harrison went to recruit Quinn back in season one. And just everything about it, you had Scandal Pace. Remember the real Scandal mm-hmm. Pace? You had Scandal Pace again. You had, the, the, oh, do you want to be a gladiator in a suit? He's like, No. <laughs> What do we think about Marcus's introduction? Because we've all been waiting. Bam made a comment. He's like, where's Cornelius Smith? Where is he? I see him on the credits. What if you guys think about the way he was introduced into the whole scandal spear? Yay! <laughs> I'm happy as hell. Yeah. That's it. No, yeah. I, I'm I'm pleased the way it turned out. Because if she would have went in there with the same Harrison speech and he would have been like, cool, this sounds amazing. And they would have went back to OPA and everything would have been great. He would have been like the quiet little guy in the back like Quinn was, the quiet little girl in the back. It just wouldn't have been realistic or true to the evolution of the show. It just would have been, it would have been too, it would have been too familiar. So I like that he was like, no, you did this, you did this, you lied when you didn't even have to. Mm, and y'all don't have any money and you won't have any money to pay me so goodbye and Quinn didn't know what to do which to me was realistic to her character because it's she was just mimicking what Harrison did to her mm-hmm. it seems like she didn't even real like research okay so <laughs> if he says this then I'm gonna mm-hmm. say that and mm-hmm. what's plan B C and D don't let him leave she was just like oh shit she was I'm, a baby lawyer yeah, yeah she was like oh shit I didn't think of this so I really I really appreciated the way it turned out I think with after after we had that scene, they went to Olivia and they told her what they were trying to do. And then uh, Huck's 
constant persistence saying they need to stick to a way don't don't involve somebody else but when marcus was already at the office he was already doing things and basically said i need the cash i need the money there was something about his presence and demeanor and the way he just interjected himself into opa that was like a true gladiator it almost pissed me off though that and maybe it's because he's a person of color but it almost pissed me off that there were certain things that he said that they didn't already think of since they've been in OPA for so long. Oh, I see what you're saying. And no, and and I, I think I see where you're going. And <sighs> there is a difference between empathy and sympathy. And there are certain things that your ear can only be attuned to if your ear registers on that that note. I'm not a musician. You, you, you understand what I'm trying to say? So, for instance, and that's why he specifically said that when he was talking about these key words, it's twofold. It's that only someone who those words are affecting would, in fact, be affected. That was the first part. The second part is then when I then call you on those words, only if you meant something not nice behind that, then you would feel away, right? So I think what it, it, it really is clearly articulating is – you you can be sympathetic to people. So meaning you can be sympathetic to people as it pertains to racism. You can be sympathetic as it pertains to people with sexism. You can be sympathetic as it pertains to homophobia. But one of the things that I think that sometimes pe- people make a mistake in doing is they go, let's say if I say I had a racist encounter, right? And someone says, oh my God, like the same thing happened to me the other day when like this girl wouldn't like get me the right size because she thought I was fat. No, boo-boo, not the same thing. It's not. If you then have that conversation with me about someone fat shaming you, for me then also in the same way saying, oh, well, I'm African-American, so I'm discriminated against all the time. Again, not the same thing. They're two isolated things. Both can, you can be put upon and oppressed upon and discriminated and, and all of those other things, those other isms. But if you actually are not the individual with which those things are hurled at, you actually don't know. So you can sympathize, not empathize. So I think it is very telling that it was only Cornelius, who is the only arguably gladiator who is an African-American other than Olivia, mm-hmm. to be able to spot that, to hear the difference. Once he alerted them, then they can be, what, sympathetic, and they can ride like gladiators, but they cannot empathize because because it is not specific to them there's no stickiness does that make sense because i'm not sure if i'm making sense oh you okay right yeah. on the nose okay. sister girl <laughs> yeah and so i think that's why it was it that's why the scene played so well so that is actually why you were upset because on some level sometimes we get upset when people don't understand what it is that we are going through but part of it is they literally live the world through a different prism they don't necessarily live the world through our prism and there's a collectivity to us and then there is not at the same time does that make sense Ooh. yes okay which is why Ooh. it makes sense that huck wants to then go the old way because that's the only way that he knows. And take all of that aside, Huck is like an IT dude. Not saying all IT dudes just, you know, follow by the book, but you sit at your computer, you have a task, get it done, this is how you do it, I'll kill the internet, I'll kill the cable, I'll do this, (laughs) I can shut it down, I can put sweep your apartment, bugs, cameras. But when it comes to strategic planning on an emotional level (laughs) and trying to get, like, quiet the noise, Huck don't know how to do that. He doesn't know. Poor thing. So he tried. Oh, it was so beautiful. Oh, my God, I made myself hot. Sorry. I made myself hot. Oh, yeah, we have to acknowledge that for whatever reason, it has still been 90-something degrees every day in L.A., and it is October. Yeah. It's so, kind of ridiculous. So I'm trying to wear like fall type clothes. Nice. Thank you, but I'm hot. Which one's Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Twins. Um, okay. So that was cute. Do it again. 
claimed. Um, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get back to to OPA and the way Marcus handled the media, but before that, let's go to Live and Fitz. Live and Fitz. It's obviously interesting because he's still in the White House. He's still navigating <clears throat> what to do now that she's exposed herself. Uh, he went on a rampage. He wanted to fire Mel or fire Abby. When he's talking to Olivia, though, Olivia, because of the nature of their relationship, he listens to whatever she says for the most part, which we'll get into later when he was meeting with the senators. And they were saying to, or when the senator talked to Liz and she was saying, I know, or Liv, I know somebody was pulling the strings and that would be Olivia. Um, but when they were talking, it was so interesting to see how one, he would listen to what she said with the whole Abby situation said, no, that would be stupid. It's almost, it's almost as if it justifies everything that you guys are saying a couple weeks ago about him not being qualified for the position. So we're seeing that again. Um, but it was interesting and we'll get to the final scene later. It was interesting to see how it progressed over time, especially when there was that moment when he called Liv and he wanted to talk about an issue with him, but she was so struck on what was going on on the computer. And that was a, that was a tough scene to watch. Mm -hmm. And I specifically want to hear from you ladies. Um, when we get into it, because she talked about how there's already three porn versions of us, which is very realistic when there's a scandal, Mm -hmm. there's always going to be a porn copycat. Um, not saying I watch them, just saying that's, I mean, you busted. (laughs) They put it on MSN. The headline is on MSN. MSN. It'll be on media takeout. So, um, (laughs) I, I read media takeout every day. Um, but they do the porn copycat. But then after that, it was when she said, there are literally men who are threatening to rape me because that's the only thing they know how to do. They're cowards behind the computer and they're threatening to rape me. And there was something about that scene, even though Fitz kept saying, shut the computer off. There were moments where I kind of just wanted him to listen and listen to her pain and anguish and hear what she was saying, because I, I understand he didn't want her to feel that pain, but there's times where you just need to listen, let them express. And then after you process it, then you can give your advice but I feel like I just needed him to listen a little more and let her get it all off her chest before he was just like shut the computer off well let me cut fit some slack for once oh I know, don't hey, but I'm a shade hey. I'm a shade him when I get done okay. <laughs> no man wants to hear about people wanting to rape their women their woman or do anything bad to the one the women in their life they you just can't handle it men don't even want to hear about who you slept with consent like on a consensual level they just they don't want to hear it so i can see why when she was doing that he he can hear that she was in pain and it probably if he would have allowed it to really affected him affect him it really probably would have affect him so the only way to kind of get past it was to have her shut the computer and to kind of silence it before it just got out of hand or it got too personal for both of them so in that regard i kind of see why he was like shut the shut the computer shut the computer because you can't there's certain times you can let your woman stew or your friend stew or your brother stew or anybody stew. But when it comes to people violating women and women that you care about, especially now that we live in this whole rape culture and thumb thugs online, feeling like they can say whatever they want to say. And then you not knowing if people really are crazy. And if, if you are out in the street, will they really try to do this to you? I can see why he did what he did in that moment. And I, and I appreciated that because if she would have just kept talking, he would have just had to ha- have her talk about being raped. And, you know, like, like I don't, I didn't want to see, I, I wouldn't have wanted to see any more of that conversation besides what we saw. So I appreciate Fitz for once. Just had a moment, y'all. Just had a moment. <laughs> um, 
when Olivia was getting the pics taken while she was on the phone by the paparazzi, I was just confused because there's been too many times where Olivia's apartment just hasn't made sense in terms of what she's doing in that apartment. So whether it be only having one lock on the door a while back or not having an actual alarm system, but the fact that she's going through a national Actually, at this point, that'll be an international scandal because he's the president of the United States and she has her curtains open, blinds up if she has blinds, so anybody can see in there. I just, it was, I, I didn't believe that. Yeah, no, you're right. Mm-hmm. Close the curtains, girl. Close the curtains. They're looking. But why, why did she just, I was confused the abruptness of the phone call. Like, what was, she, she got the phone and then she closed all the curtains, but. To me, it seemed like she, didn't expect that and she was so shocked that it was actually happening to her because you can probably you can think okay if something goes down yeah they're gonna be uh paps and people are gonna take pictures but i kind of took it as <laughs> oh shoot it's happening to me like it's me now they're really outside of my window and they're in another building across the across the street and it's me so i that's why i thought she kind of panicked and i don't and not only that but um it's one thing when you're fixing other people's lives all the time and then something like this happens to you sometimes your your uh your um frame of thought is just a little bit different you don't you don't uh, you don't quickly think about the things that you will need to cover or do for yourself versus what you do for other people just because you're so used to being on the opposite ends no, we're, 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 we're all with you. I mean, at the end yeah. of the day, the scene shouldn't have played that way because I think you're having problems believing that Olivia mm-hmm. Pope would not have already closed her blinds and kind of had prepared herself in some way. I think that what they were trying to do with the scene is show that even in the midst of all of this chaos, there is an ease to her now that she has unburdened herself from the secret. Hmm. So even if you look at her, even the way that she's in the room, normally she always has like her sweater on, whatever. There was a relaxed nature, right? Like she had on like a, like a camisole, but then kind of like yoga pants. Right. And the way that she was talking, like she was totally at ease. Like there was, there was a, there was a, a vulnerability about her because she was really in her home. And I think part of that is because she, we're seeing a different Olivia. And I think that this Olivia is lighter and isn't so, so stressed about what is going on in the world, ironically. And so I think that's what they wanted this scene to show. So, so the fact that that flash of the outside world literally woke her up, that's what we were seeing, is that she felt like they had violated an intimate moment because she was in her house, in her sanctuary, in her space, talking to her man. Fair so that's enough. why. But I feel you. Fair enough. Um, so now we're going to go back to OPA and the media because Marcus just blew me away. So the episode title was Dog Whistle Politics. And he was talking to OPA earlier, telling that they need to change the narrative. Mm -hmm. And I was still waiting. There was a moment where I was literally, it was probably during the whole Jake Elise scene. And I was like, where is, where is Marcus? Um, Because I want to see him change the narrative. I'm just being honest. Um, And then we finally see him. There was a moment where he's leaving the building and he steps outside and talks to a reporter and reporter if anybody remembers before me, if I don't find it in my notes. Um, oh, here it goes. The reporter, she said, she's usually so well-spoken. And he pauses, and he turns around. You mean as a black person? And he calls her out. What do we think about this scene? Um, I mean, just bravo. Even before that, when even um, uh, one of the, my probably most favorite line is when he says, uh, she helped a, she helped her brother. Oh, yeah, she helped her brother out, so I'm going to help a sister out. I was in. Yeah. 
No, yeah, no. When he made the statement, it had to happen. Mm-hmm. Because you're only going to let somebody talk about your girl <laughs> for so long. And even though they just kind of met, they really don't know each other. If I feel like you've been down for me, like he said, I'm going to be down with you. And as a representation of now Pope and Associates, you don't want somebody thinking, you don't want nobody thinking that everybody talks like this or everybody is urban or you speak well now. Like you just don't want that narrative being put out into the world, especially somebody who actually wants to do some good. So he had to shut it down at some point. And you can kind of tell he was like, I'm done with this. And he turned around and he flipped the script. I'm glad he did it. It was a good moment. Yeah. I I almost don't want to talk on on this because I almost want everyone to just kind of rewatch the scene a couple of times because I think that he and then arguably the writers did such an excellent job of explaining why it is that coded words are so hurtful and detrimental. Like why it is that they are almost like a cancer, that underbelly of racism that still exists, but at the same time doesn't. And this is the reason why. So on the surface, if someone goes, she's usually so well-spoken, seems like a, a pretty normal statement, right? She's a communications expert. No, let, let's think about that. She's normally so well-spoken. She's normally so articulate. Her expertise is in communications. Does that make sense? So therefore, I think then he then systematically went through all of the verbiage that is used collectively to talk about black people, but more importantly, to talk us down, to make us less than we are. I think that's the first part of it. And that's who collectively is black people. And the second part is that there is an aspect of racism where the, the I was going to say the racer, <laughs> the racist individual cannot discern a difference. So therefore, no one should be discriminated against, right? However, when you start to describe someone who is European boarding school educated, Georgetown educated, a lawyer, and has worked at the White House, regardless of whom she may have slept with. There are certain terms that you would never use to describe that person if they were anything other than of color. Mm-hmm. Urban, mm-hmm. articulate, well-smoking, spoken. You would say, oh, they were an intelligent go-getter who always got what they want. They were commended for it, so forth and so on. So the fact that not only are there words that actually do not apply to her, but apply when people are thinking about a racist rhetoric. That's the first part. The second part is to then ascribe the things that normally would be complimentary to other people as a negative. So she's a go-getter. Oh, so because she's black, she's not supposed to be a go-getter. She is a social climber. Arguably, that's what everyone in D.C. is trying to do. She is wants to have a seat at the table. Again. So really what he was really saying was the beginning part what Papa Pope has always said to Olivia and ironically what the reporter said is he raised her to have the audacity to think that she is entitled to everything else that everyone else is entitled to, even a white man. So really what the narrative is saying is that in of itself is what racism is, is that when people think that based on the ism that someone does not have a right to what everyone else has a right to, which is happiness and to to fulfill whatever it is that they're meant to fulfill. And so I think he hit it on so many different levels that I think that similar to the lawn chair in season four, I think that there is an element of this episode that will stand alone in a scandal vacuum <clears throat> and arguably could be used as a teaching point for the subtlety and the nuances of a certain aspect of racism in the 21st century. 
Well said. Mm -hmm. And even quickly, just the scene before that, when he was talking about how he was in the grocery store and he heard the story of the white man who was reading the magazine and dragging Olivia. And then the woman came to, or the wife came to the fence and said, um, I'm glad she climbed out of the, the ghetto. The ghetto. All black people don't come from the ghetto, just so we're clear. Um, so yes, like Sophia said, please rewatch the episode mm-hmm. for those who need to, because I think there's just it needs to be it needs to be said. And I'm glad that I'm glad that it was said. Um, okay, before and we I'm go, glad I'm drinking wine today on some real talk. <laughs> before we go to <laughs> before we go to Fitz, go to iTunes, rate us five stars, leave a comment, and subscribe. Um, if you're watching on YouTube live, we want to say thank you so much. Hello, gladiators. We're so happy that you're joining us live, especially East Coast. We know it's late. Um, and also, if you're watching on YouTube right now, go ahead and click a thumbs up and leave a comment as well. Well, if you're watching live, don't leave a comment because we won't be able to see it. But leave a comment after we're done so we can see the comment and respond. Um, and also, if you need another shot of conversation, make sure you go to iTunes and look us up for our new podcast called Happy Hour. It's available right now. We just did an episode yesterday and we released it today. So make sure you, again, search Happy Hour, Cornelia, email, and Sophia. And I pointed to you when I said Cornelia, (laughs) by the way. Well, we're twins. Twinsies (laughs) for uh, more conversation. We talked about everything on the show. Yesterday we talked about Lamar Odom. Mm -hmm. We talked about T.I. and and whatever he has to say, Raven Simone. We talked about the Democratic um, debate. So make sure you guys tune in. You don't want to miss out. Yep. Join the conversation. All right, guys. The fall of Fitz. Let's talk about Melly. So uh, it's interesting seeing Melly's new dynamic because she's center now and she's strutting down the hall, going through the press and the media, and she's with Cyrus. She's feeling confident. The way she entered her first meeting, I think we all probably did a collective eye roll because she entered as if she and she she is a celebrity in a way, mm. but she she entered that room as a celebrity instead of as a fellow peer. And she walks in, oh, I'm so sorry, guys. I have to press through the paparazzi. Like, girl, sit down. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't take it that way. When when she passed through um, the, the media, there was a look on her face as if she was very nervous. And then once she once she had the look of, 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 of nervousness, then it was almost like, okay, let me collect myself together. Now let me put on my face. Sorry, I'm late. So for me, that was, that was an insecure moment. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I can, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Um, but no, I think it's important. I think it's very important. And and the funny thing is, I actually I actually took it exactly the same way that you did, Emil. And I'm going to take it one step further. Arguably, why didn't you leave even earlier? No, seriously. You, if if you're supposed to be a sophisticated politician, this is not your first time at the rodeo. So honestly, you should have actually left earlier. You're a first lady. You know what the media is going to be like. It's your first day trying to impress your peers, number one. Number two, trying to let them see you as anything other than the first lady. Because the way that you walked in and you kind of were like, oh, I'm sorry, press, that was very first lady-like. Two. Mm -hmm. Three, there is a serious scandal swirling around you. So the fact that you weren't the first person there, I don't care how many reporters there were, eh, the fact that then you came in and unlike anyone else who actually would have just come in and sit down, the minute you have to actually explain your tardiness before anyone asks you, that's because you think you're a diva, a celebrity, or the first lady of the United States of America. And that would be fine if you were, in fact, were acting as the first lady, but you're not. You're a freshman senator. She should have come in, sit down, waited to be addressed, and waited to see if they even cared about her tardiness. I think 
everything you just said. In addition to that, I think I was a little... And I don't know if I should have been shocked or surprised, but I was, I think, surprised that, one, she was surprised that uh, the women were saying the men do their own thing and we sit here and it's, this is how it works. Like, they, all the men have their peckers. Mm-hmm. They do business. We sit here. And I also think I was surprised that she didn't think or she wouldn't have thought that an impeachment could be possible just on the fact that not only this isn't like his first affair or scandal that's made it to the public like this is the second one so it's not like the first one this is the second one that has occurred so then it comes to the point even though he got like uh the senator said senator gibson says later even though most of them have their dalliances they don't get caught so the fact that he's gotten caught twice then it goes back to what the vice president said a couple weeks ago. Does he really care about this country? So I don't think it's a stretch to think that he could possibly be impeached. So I was a little confused that she wouldn't even thought about that. Because I, I think that the the thing with Melly, I think that makes her character so complex. And that's why I think that we love to hate her and then love her all over again. Is that she does do this flip-flopping between being a human being and a warrior. And... I think that the the season will will prove who she is, but I think the problem with Melly is she's a human being. She actually is not a warrior. She never has been a warrior. She never will be a warrior. So I think that she always she always stands from a place of emotion and regardless of whether or not she didn't show up to that interview, sadly she still loves her husband. And sadly I think she still thinks that she lives in this unrealistic bubble. What did you think about Cyrus's rants today? I was going to say, so do you believe Cyrus and what he said about you don't love, um, you don't love the president? Oh, see, with with that conversation, I actually. That's not what hit you. It his 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 point where he was saying, I see Cyrus as a son or Fitz as a son and there's a hole in my heart. His speech, I believe everything he was saying, I understand that he devoted his whole life to Fitz. And there's this emotional attachment that is gone or still there, but he can't. With Melly, though, and everything he said about Melly and how she didn't love him and she was just using him in a way. I don't know. I'm on the fence because it hit me. It hit me in a weird way. And I it, it's it's hard. And this is why. And I think part of it is, is what we've always said about Melly. The fact that Melly arguably not only allowed, but actually um, orchestrated and um, assisted in another woman coming into her marriage, theoretically, Cyrus would have never done the same thing. That's why Cyrus, until now, has always been chief of staff. Think about it. He has never allowed anyone to have the type of relationship with Fitz that he had. I think that it is easy for someone to understand why it would be hard to believe that Melly could fully love Fitz if basically she allowed not only this individual into their marriage, but especially when there were multiple times when he, he being fit, articulated to you that this wasn't just a sexual dalliance, that you then continued to bring her into your house. That that's not something that a loving person should should do or could do. I could argue why it actually shows that she does love him, but I think from the perspective of Cyrus, who I think Cyrus on some level is very black and white, he can't see that with her. So, So in his mind... He's like, no, no, I'm the only one who's ever been there for him. Like, I've killed for him. I've I've loved him. I've sacrificed everything for him. Like, I was willing to kill my husband for him. So in his mind, all of those sacrifices are not equal to Melly. That's the first part. 
The secondary part is, again, I think the underlying theme of not only this episode, but I think of this show, is female sacrifices are normally taken for granted. Male sacrifices are not. So again, he's coming from an entitled place. So in his mind, I sacrifice for you, you have to be there for me. That is the only equitable exchange, right? He dismisses any of the sacrifices that Melly has made because you're a woman and you're his wife. That's what you do. So I think he's incapable of viewing her as his equal, ironically, partly from a gender perspective. And that's why even earlier, he was like, oh, well, he's a man. Mm -hmm. But when men do something as sacrifice, it's that they actually did something. Well, I wrote in my notes, Cyrus is crazy. When he was saying that, I can see how he believed himself. Yes, he, he believes that he loves Fitz and he, he was the one who cares about him and everybody else is trying to take advantage of him and, and I'm the one who really cares. But for real, for real, Cyrus only cares about Cyrus. Yes, you can say that he was potentially going to kill his husband for Fitz. No, you were going to kill your husband for you. Like, let's you were going to kill him for you. So when he was having his speech, I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's really sad. Because Cyrus has put himself in such a victimized state that everything that's happening to him is, it shouldn't be happening to me because I'm doing this and I could do this for you and I care so much. But at the end of the day, you brought this on yourself, boo-boo. So he's crazy. Uh, what I put in my notes is every time he starts to breathe heavy, heavy, I get nervous like he's gonna get a heart attack. Oh, poor thing. He's feel like Bernie Sanders out here in oh the streets. Oh. But I do <laughs> talk about that on happy hour. But Cornelia, but I do think that in both ways, they uh, both Cyrus and Melly in their own ways love uh, Fitz. And as you said, you know, he is very selfish, but I do think that fits. I, I do think that, uh, that, that Cyrus does love, um, uh, fits. The only problem is, is something, uh, probably me or you said probably seasons ago, no one asked Cyrus to do all what he's done for the president as well as Melly. So cry me a river Cyrus. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think he does, I, and I don't want people to think that I don't think that he loves Fitz. You know, I think he loves him, and I think he believes everything he says, but a lot of Cyrus's intense, intentions and his actions are selfish. Well, I think the the one thing, well, one of the things that bothered me this episode with him is, remember a couple episodes he was telling Melly not to seek revenge and not mm-hmm. to think of her emotions, but this very moment where they have the moment or the opportunity to impeach, even though I understood where he was saying, I could see how it could be advantageous to her. Did you guys think that, and we see at the end, she is going to pursue the impeachment, but everything he was saying, did you think that was actually motivated as this is a good career move for Melly, no. or was it purely emotional? I want to get him impeached because of revenge. I, I mean, I think that he answered his own mm-hmm. question because I think otherwise he would have, he would have never had that monologue. Do, do you see, it would have not been about Fitz. And I, and I think that, he proved that it will always be about Fitz and that's actually other than the fact that he was rude that's why she had to basically say you're done you're fired you're gone because at the end of the day he will always be Fitz's guy so let's talk about the scene with uh, Melly coming into the bedroom she's yelling at Fitz and then Fitz is like telling her to be quiet <laughs> it was, that was the yeah. cutest yeah, scene cute. it was because we don't see Fitz as a father ever like Hardly. ever, yeah, we don't, see we don't either. I think yeah. I literally forgot that there was like a little kid. That's right? what I yeah. I was like, yeah, until I they went the curtain. I was like, oh yeah, Teddy, and he's cute yeah, he's now. Cute. Remember he's so cute. That, that that comb yeah. over. He's cute. Yeah. His little shoes. He was so cute. 
they were playing hide and seek, and then Melly finally spots him, and she's like, "Oh!" And she plays along, and then they had this exchange where they held hands, and they said, "She said, if you don't hurt me, I won't hurt you." And it's in those moments where you just realize that, and it goes back to what Bam was saying about, "Does she really love him?" We had a conversation offline where we talked for two damn hours after the show a couple weeks ago. But we had a long conversation. <laughs> a long conversation. <laughs> I was tired as hell the next day. Um, we had a long conversation, though, about different types of love. And I think in anything, just like we talk about on this show, nothing is absolute. There is no absolute black or white. There's always a gray area. It's the same thing in love. So with their dynamics of their relationship, there is no absolute and there's no one definition of what love is and what their type of love is. So it's interesting to see that. But the end of the episode is kind of three for a loop where she's all of a sudden just because we'll get there. I'll talk about that in a minute. Mm. OK, so Liz, Lizzie, Liz, Lizzie Bear, she is annoying me this episode. And I think the reason why is because I think I'm more pissed at Abby. I'm pissed at Abby mm. because remember Abby had the opportunity to get God that's too close Liz and yeah, Liv uh-huh. to get Liz out of there and Abby said no we can be equals but blah 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 Liz has done nothing to help Abby so even in the moments where they were in the white or in the oval and Abby seemed like she needed some type of just like remember when um, Olivia was in the oval a couple weeks or last episode and anytime Abby needed support she would look over and then Liv would say you should do that she did nothing to support Abby in those moments and then it's kind of like what are you doing well Liz is just out for self Liz Liz is out for self and she's been out for self I don't expect Liz to really help Abby she did even though Abby help, has the dirt though but I will say this she did help Abby last episode right before Abby threw Liv under the bus um, in front of all of the press because at the beginning of the episode Liz was the Liz was the one who said like you know she's a mistress and she's climbing her way to the top so all of that was kind of planted in Abby by her so I will give her the benefit of the doubt in regards to that but I don't come in expecting Liz to be helping anybody besides herself like I just I just don't I I agree but I think where my frustration is kind of from both of their perspectives is Lizzie what are you doing not and to me separate and distinct from Abby like if you want to keep your job, do something. Like, seriously, you don't know where some bodies are buried. Like, you don't have any dirt on these men. So, to me, the fact that you allowed it to come down to the fact that these men could come into the Oval and posture the way that they did to the President of the United States of America, to me, not only did that erode who he is and his title, that also eroded your title. Right? Because it should have never come to that. Like, just that alone. Meaning, the only reason that we're coming to the Oval is because I've already been like, we're good and we're good. But there is no <laughs> negotiation being had in the Oval with me. Because then that means that not only are we equals, but as that little wangster showed, he actually was the better person. Do you know what I'm trying to say? And basically was able to basically be like, no, you're going to do anything that I say. And then I'm going to say some slick racist bullshit shit to you. Sorry for the cursing. You know what I mean? So that's the first part. The second part is, same thing with Abby. I kind of need Abby, and I know that there is a difference in position between uh, the communications director and the chief of staff for the United States of America. But what I need her to do is, similar to what Lizzie did last episode, I need her to step forward and have a conversation directly with the president. So literally, when he's like, well, I should have fired you, she should have said, so what is it that you would have liked me to have done? Hmm? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, there's, there's, that she, she keeps doing this head down. Um, I'm gonna stutter and I'm not gonna talk yeah. fast and whatever. No, 
That was the only play. I learned it from your girl. That was the only thing. Specifically because you are telling me you wanted to save Liv. That was saving Liz. Because Liv. Because Liv articulated to you. she That is literally her play when she said, go ahead, Abby. So I don't know why we're talking. Next. Yeah. Let's move on to how it is that we are going to rebuild your brand. So forth and so on. Whatever. But the fact that she kind of hems and haws too much. It's a little bit too up. The opposite of scandal pays. And you actually need to get fired for that. I'm so sick of Fitz and uh, Abby and this whole back and forth thing. Listen, if you don't want the girl's help, girl, go back to um, OPA. Did you? Did, did anybody have a moment where when she I got fired, just, I was like, yeah, she's I finally going back go. to OPA. Uh-huh. Like, go. Yeah. Get out of yeah. there. Just go mm-hmm. back to OPA. If he don't want his help, let that um, <laughs> man, mm-hmm. just let him fucking burn. Just if you don't want to do anything, if you don't want to listen, stop trying to kiss a man ass. Just go get your job at OPA. You got a good set. Well, maybe not a good salary anymore, but just go, go work. And the only reason, because I felt the exact same way. I thought mm-hmm. she was going to go back to OPA, but I feel like if they are going to do anything with her character, she cannot do that. Or else there is no evolution. But I'm Did, bored. No, no, no. Because the difference her. is, there is a difference. Right. You know when people, let's say, like, you, you move away from your hometown and you're either going to go to school and you're going to be a big time, whatever you're going to be, mm-hmm. right? It is okay if you come back and you are that big time thing. It is not okay if you come back and you actually failed in doing whatever you did. Mm-hmm. So there is a difference if she can somehow rectify this, spin this in her favor, become even more famous as a communications director than Olivia, separate and distinct from the scandal, then to me, then she can go back to OPA. But to me, the way that they're trying to set her up, they're trying to make her Olivia's equal. And in order to be Olivia's equal, she cannot go back to OPA until she has made a definitive name and a reputation for herself with her peers. So with the the Senator Gibson, we're going to quickly talk about that scene in the office. Uh, just for our viewers, does anybody remember the specifics of the Brandon bill? Yeah, it's you mean in terms of the um and the the gun control. Mm-hmm. So basically, like um, uh, what am I blanking? You know, police vests, police cameras on their vests, so forth and so on. It came about due to the lawn chair episode. Are you asking more specifically? No, than no, that? I was just reminded because oh, okay. I know some people didn't remember okay. what the Brandon bill was. Okay. Um, so this senator wanted to get rid of the Brandon bill and also equal pay. The Brandon Bill, we know, is... Because they're racist. Yes. And and sexist. sexist. So the Brandon Bill, they want to um, get rid of, but he said he'll let equal pay stay just to get rid of the Brandon Bill, which, once again, shows. Yeah, we'll let the the sexist one... We'll we'll let the women slide. But also, again, even the comment, and to me, I think Shonda is, like, doing something brilliant. He said that because that guy probably only proposed it because he's mad at his wife. Again, why? Because he's emotional. Because men are emotional. I'm not saying that they are only emotional, but they are making decisions to do with the entire country and whether or not women should get equal pay because he is emotional. Okay. I, can, I was about to say something. I'm just going to yeah. say that for happy hour. I think both sides get emotional for different things. I just said that, though. Yeah. I just said yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, but they, yeah. that's yeah. not the point. Yeah. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. That people can be emotional and non-emotional. But theoretically, he made a decision based on emotion. And I think that throughout this show, we've often communicated how women are emotional, as if they are the sole gender that can make decisions based on emotions. There are times when I wished in that scene that Fitz would have just, even though I know he has to depend on this guy for saving the impeachment. But when he said, next time you step outside of your marriage... Why don't you step out with somebody who's more palatable to your base? I just want him to fuck him in the face. 
I wanted him to hit him so hard, but I know he couldn't do that. But, but I why? Rich- he could have. Yeah. Or, or he could have. He, he could have also face. done that with his words. He should have stood up and say, "I think that you have me mistaken. You must have forgotten that you are in the Oval Office and you are addressing the United States of America. So, regardless of my dalliances with whomever, that type of racist rhetoric will never be part of our negotiation." I think you need to leave now before you no longer have a job. Because, again, I am the president of the United States of America. Sophia, you need to call Fitz right now. Call Fitz right now and tell him. Well, when you call him, tell him to take off that wedding ring, too. But I ain't, I ain't, I ain't the one to gossip. <laughs> oh, my God. Because, again, and I, and I know that people are going to be like, oh, you're a broken record. And I'm a broken record on purpose. <laughs> and, again, I think the show is doing an excellent job because, again, it is showing how there are two actors in certain situations. There is a person who says it and there is a person who does nothing. Yeah. Right? So, theoretically, yes, he may not have been able to punch him, but he should have literally done something or said something to show that that type of thinking is not okay with me. So you don't have a problem that I slept on my wife, but you have a problem because the person I slept with was black. The fact that you even had the audacity to utter those words to me, I should be offended. And I'll make a comment similar to that later on. Um, This is why I'm not supposed to drink wine on camera. No, you know they love it. (laughs) (laughs) So the scene and the the storyline we've all been waiting for, uh, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all stop! We're trying to be serious. We're trying to be serious. <clears throat> Jake goes to Paris, <laughs> Paris with Charlie, and we meet Elise. And something's happening with the Louvre. <laughs> Paris is. I'm just. I need more. I need more. See, from I, it. and I thought. Go ahead, Bam. You got your hand up. So who cares? See, I thought that Jake, pe- people who didn't like Jake would be more excited that they're introducing a woman so she he can go away with her and be amongst his peers. No, because that would logically mean that he would no longer be on the show. I thought, I was like, oh good, people are going to be happy now. No, y'all ain't never satisfied. <laughs> you ain't never satisfied. I just wish the storyline could have been more entertaining. Well, yeah, I, I understand oh, that. Point. Yeah, yeah, I understand. There's it's, it's a setup, and they're setting it up. However, I needed more. I just yeah. needed more because I would, every time I went to a scene with that, I, would, I think the problem was, and maybe it's just because I'm not a huge fan of Jake. I was on the old Lake train for like a tiny bit. Y'all remember that mm-hmm. sad point in my life? But um, I think the what? Oh, what I was gonna say is. I think part of it also, too, is that they gypped us. Like, where was the sex scene? So, like, exactly. at the end of the day, like, if you want me to like Jake, exactly. I could possibly like him with someone else other than Olivia. Because that, that spy was definitely easy on the eyes, exactly. as is he. But it's like, they gave us, like, one in that little lean-in kiss, and then it was, like, break to commercial. Yeah. And the like, thing is, seriously, since, there's, since there's no emotional investment with Jake and Elise, mm-hmm. which that's not even their real names, we find out, but there's no emotional investment, give me some type of mm. something. Heat. I, just, I ain't never satisfied. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't never satisfied. Let's see. The hydraulics on my chair keep not working. Sorry. Bam, you... I just... I didn't buy it. The whole thing about how she... How she was over an hour late and so forth. Well, Let that the, man meet another woman so he can get out of y'all's lives. Well, he's inviting her back to the States, but see? I still say it's fishy that the camera went fuzzy all of a sudden. Of course. And then they you shot each other. You literally see her like press a button. Yeah, so and a flesh wound. Yeah, there's going to be a twist with that because I, I didn't believe any of that. So I don't trust And like also Elise. too, like you wouldn't run in the room and call her by her new name. 
No, right? Yeah. No, seriously. If you had any kind of intimate feelings, even if you used to work together, and all of a sudden your new name is is Bob, right. and you get shot, I'm not going to be like, Bob. I'm going to be like, Emil. Yeah. Anyways, but okay. maybe they're spies or they're that good. Anyway. No, that's a, actually a really good point. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and jump to... Oh, and I'm, I'm happy to see Joe Morton and Papa Pope. I wish there. I actually wish there would have been more of him, mm. um, just because... I like his monologues. I mean, his monologues are, are like he—he's he, like he's speaking from the chorus. And he's me, like our moral compass. He needs to. He keep him out. Just keep him gone because this whole, be I just keep him away. It's it's going good. You don't need him right now. Just keep him away. Well, I like him. The I, B, like him I don't like the B six thirteen storyline. Yeah. Every time they introduce this again, I'm like, uh. But Joe Morton's dope. Agree, Camelia. Yeah. Agree. To the end of the episode. And what I was saying when you talked earlier, Sophia, you were talking about how, or when I said um, how I wanted him to stand up and then you so eloquently said he could have done it with his words. Um, there was a moment where he was talking to Abby and said, what would Liv do? And even at that moment, Abby didn't, like, Abby just, oh, be confident, do something. So anyway, um, but it was in that moment where Abby said, uh she said you need to make the smart move this is a smart move and then he said there's a thing difference between you doing the smart thing and the right thing and then we see that the motorcade is moving they're tracking that and then all of a sudden Liv is sitting on the sofa still being salty but (sighs) that whole scene there was just something about it that can I interject when the elevator door opened Stevie said, "Here I am, baby. Sign, still deliver." It was, it was perfect. It was spot the on. The timing of everything was perfect. You see, I was getting ready that he was going to say something bad. Can yeah. you repeat that again, please, Bam? I wasn't sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to say something bad. You I'm so sorry. I totally did. I was like, literally doing something. I was like, making sure, like, smile. Don't roll your eyes because people say you roll your eyes too much. Don't really. So please, Bam, can you please repeat that? <laughs> it was a very special moment, and I like how the music correspond with the with the with the action with the action of the actors. So when the elevator door opens, Stevie Wonder said, "Here I am, baby. Sign, so deliver. I'm yours." And she looked, and it was like boom. We just talked about last episode, just standing in your truth and just owning up to it. And even though the circumstances aren't exactly ideal for them right now, let's just dissect this thing because I'm hardcore lit. So you know when what? oh. Why can't it be real? Right? Why can't it be real? Well, no, now we're, we're, it looks like we're going to get there. Oh. But I mean, like before, it just didn't seem realistic that this could possibly happen. When she saw on the news that the motorcade was coming down the street, it was the way she got up. And even though she was upset, like, what, what is he doing? She gussied herself up. But it was that moment when she was standing in front of the elevator door. And it was like the, the smirk. Like, I'm angry, but... Okay. No, but she was like, yo, that's my man. There's this guy. There's this guy on Instagram called Quay. Uh, His Instagram is Blame It On Quay. And there's this Instagram video where... You know when people do, like, the videos and have... When your dude does this. Mm -hmm. So he puts on wigs and stuff. And he's like, "Um, that moment when you mad at your dude, but he says that one thing and you you start laughing. And so... (laughs) I have to reenact this. (laughs) Uh So, So he always plays the woman in the relationship. He has, like, his voice on the recording. And then so the girl's mad. He's like sitting like this, rolling his eyes. <laughs> and then, and then he's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, girl, why you ain't talking to me? She's like, oh, why don't you call the girl that you were talking to last night? And he's like, come on, come on, come on, come on, Pookie. She's like, <laughs> <laughs> like she tried to say, but she's like, stop it, stop it. Like, I'm gonna find that clip and post it on Twitter because I need you guys to see it because I didn't even do it justice. But it was that that. 
reaction that you can't control when you're with your lover. Like, she was so excited that he finally stood up because in the last episode she said, I choose you. And they're choosing each other now, and there's something so special about that. And when the elevator door opened and how giddy she was, it's like, oh, like, oh, there's, okay, make another quick reference. A couple years ago, this is probably when I was in high school or middle school, there was a Starburst commercial called, uh, it was like um, Berries and Cream, and so there was a little leprechaun, and he was like, <laughs> excuse me, what, what are you eating? And he's like, uh, berries. Oh, berries! <laughs> <laughs> and, and what? And he's like, cream. Oh! <laughs> berries and cream! Berries and cream! That's, that's what it was like. She got so giddy. I'm going to post that too on Twitter. But she got so <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. You would think this was mine. This is grape juice that's been sitting in my car. Oh, is he finding it? Did he find it? Oh, my God. Starburst, did you just say? Berries. Berries. Berries and what else? And cream. Berries and cream. Berries and cream. Oh, my God. Berries and cream. That just made me so happy. Oh my god, we have the best oh. engineer in the oh entire universe. Oh my god. But oh. that's that's what it reminded me of. And then when they embrace and he tells the Secret Service to turn away because I'm about to make out with my girlfriend. This whole scene, like, come on. I'm about to take my girlfriend on a date. Date. God. date. God, I'm just so happy where the direction of these episodes are going. And week after week, no matter what happens, there's always, because no show is perfect, there's always going to be something episode where I'm like, oh, God. And then at the end of every single episode, every single week, there's been a twist, and it has me hooked. I want to mm-hmm. come back for more. Definitely. That's all I have. Guys, hopefully yeah. you enjoyed that. But now it's time for my favorite part of the show, your favorite part of the show, the cold piece of the week. Cold piece of the week for Scandal Season 5, Episode 4 goes to our dog, Marcus. He came in, delivered. He did what he had to do. He didn't, followed by the standard OPA rules, which they kind of laid out and didn't really make sense for the time that they were dealing with. But he was his own man. He knew what his role was going to be. He told everybody what their role was going to be. And he even got Huck on TV with a suit on Mm. to speak and say dog whistleblower 55,000 times. (laughs) So for that reason, Marcus, you get cold piece of the week. Cold piece at other week goes to Fitz's wedding ring that he's still rocking on his hand. Uh, But I ain't the one that gossiping. You ain't heard it from me. (laughs) Hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Let us know who your cold piece and cold piece et of the week should be. Hit us all up. Cornelia, Emil, Bam, and Sophia, and let us know. All right, guys. Now it's time for your predictions. Your After Buzz TV predictions. I don't really have one. Well, wait. Did I? I think I wrote something down. Well, Melly's still out for blood. They had an agreement. Now they no longer have an agreement. They're going to try to get Fitz impeached. I don't think they'll be successful because when have we seen someone have an affair and be successfully impeached and thrown out of office? But it gives Melly something to do now and it gives her something to work towards. And I also hope that we see Teddy again because he was too cute. cute. Too cute. I didn't have a prediction until Cornelia gave hers. Um, and it's something that right before um, we realized that he was going to Olivia's, I actually thought he was going to resign. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is I felt like we keep hearing that men don't lose anything or they don't sacrifice anything. And so I felt that it's plausible that he needs to sacrifice being president, not only for Olivia, but for the American people to not allow this this circus that is going to go on with the impeachment. You stepped in the light with your lady. 
You have the love of your life. You already were the president. Don't diminish the Brandon Bill. That is your legacy. Resign with honor, with your head up. Mm-hmm. Go off in the sunset with your with Olivia, and I think that's good. Serious finale. <laughs> <laughs> that would be perfect, but they have about 17 more episodes <laughs> left to do, so... Realistically, I think um, I think your way is actually a great way uh, to wrap up the show. Mm-hmm. But as far as dr- as drama is concerned, you have Melly who's on the other side. You have Cyrus in the middle. So will Cyrus finally get to um, get to get to Fitz? I like the fact that Marcus is back at the OPA because now the OPA can collectively help uh, turn. Uh, whatever they were talking about in the previews about how they're going to turn it over into their favor. So now that Marcus is in effect, now we can finally see the OPA work um, as close to what it used to be back in the um, in the earlier days. Um, I don't really have any predictions. I'm just giddy. So yeah, uh, where can we find you guys on social? <laughs> what did I just say? Where can we find you guys on social media? <laughs> you can find me on, on social media at Bam Erickson. If you need just another shot of conversation, make sure to check out our podcast Happy Hour, and you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at Happy Hour underscore TV. You can find me at Sophia Stanley Twitter and Facebook at the Sophia Stanley on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Canelia. And you can find me on all social media at Emil Ennis Jr. and on YouTube Chasing LA. Guys, thanks so much. It's a party every week with you guys. We love being here. And I guess we'll see you same time, same place next week. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your neighbor down the street. We love you guys. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 